What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, a mini parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, the immune platoon. How does your immune system work? And why are some animals' immune systems wildly different? Discover this and more as we answer the age old question You can share your heart, but can you share your circulatory system? Joining me today is Philip Detmer, writer and creator of Kurtzkusagt aka In a Nutshell, which is a beautiful YouTube channel that teaches science and biology with absolutely gorgeous animations and clear, entertaining narration. He's also the author of the book Immune, which is like going on a get-to-know-you meet-and-greet with your own immune system. Welcome, Philip. Hey, thanks for having me. The immune system is one of those things where you don't think about it too much day-to-day. You only think about it when you're actually sick. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, right. This is a thing. Most people don't really have like a concept of the immune system. If you try to visualize it, like you don't see anything. It's sort of accurate, actually, because it, as you said, it's, it's not a thing. Like, yeah, there's this enormous complex dance of like trillions of things doing their stuff at the same time. I read uh, the immune book and it's really, really nice. I, I really like how clear the explanations are because I think something like the immune system is so complex, it can feel really intimidating. One thing I think is hard for people to imagine is like, where is the immune system? Do we have an organ that is the immune system? <laughs> Do we have little barracks filled with immune soldiers? Or are they just like everywhere? What I found helpful is to imagine the immune system as an organ system, like like your cardiovascular system. That's basically sure, like you have your heart and you have like all your blood vessels all over and then the, the tiny, tiniest blood vessels going pretty much everywhere. That's sort of how the immune system is. It's like an incredibly expansive organ system that's just like completely saturating your body, basically. You have like your own immune system, highway system, the the, uh, the lymphatic system that looks a little bit like your cardiovascular system. You have dedicated, like a few hundred dedicated immune organs. Like you asked for like, like uh, battle stations or something where like the soldiers gather, Like, like your lymph nodes are that basically. Um, like spread all over your body. Um, you have like uh, two bigger dedicated organs, like the thymus above your heart, the size of like two chicken wings, which is like a, like I call it the murder university <laughs> because like uh, this is like where immune system cells are trained, but like only 2% of the, the students survive the education. 
It's kind of like the squid game, but for cells in your body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sim similar um, survival rate, I think. <laughs> and of course, there's like uh, enormous amount of, of cells of the immune system, basically patrolling every border you got, sitting all below the skin, sitting everywhere, like just like below all um, your mucosas, and just like patrolling your body, like um, there's like like billions and billions uh, in your blood right now. And I think the last aspects of the immune system um, is just like like sort of like passive defenses, like like sort of uh, like proteins that you can imagine as like minefields can kill invaders just on their own, are basically in every fluid of your body. So in your blood and uh, all the other disgusting stuff. <laughs> A booby-trapped body. And so what is our immune system protecting us against? Because, I mean, obviously it's protecting us from getting sick or from getting infections, but those kinds of things like illness and infection comes from many different things, right? It's not just a virus that can make you sick. I mean, basically your immune system protects you from everything that is not you. In a really basic way, you can think about your immune system as uh, as something that can distinguish between self and other and everything that is other it it wants to kill and destroy it's like not happy about other like if you enter the body you need like a very specific um ah uh, what can you say like um like a like a password or a key card <laughs> yeah okay perfect yeah it's like if if you if you're like a for, for example if you're like a healthy bacteria for like your gut microbiome you need a, like a special code or password to not to be killed immediately. Yeah. So immune system, basically, it wants to make sure um, that nothing that's not the body exists within the body, except the few exemptions uh, in our gut or so. I, I think a big misconception about the immune system in regards to that is that it, like, it, it's, very, it's great if it's very strong and very aggressive and wants to kill everything. But actually, like the the big thing about the immune system is that it seeks balance. So, like one way to imagine the immune system would be like rugby players so that like just like smash faces. And um, if your immune system is like that, that's not great. Like you want your immune system to be more like ballet dancers. Yeah. Like like very carefully select where to step, and and just like I like um, not overly aggressive if it's not necessary. Yeah, because if the immune system is overly aggressive, it can actually hurt you, hurt your body unintentionally. People with autoimmune disorders, your immune system, or, or even something as simple as like an allergy, your immune system is actually hurting you uh, because it's overreacting to something that it doesn't really need to react so strongly to. And in fact, a lot of illnesses the suffering from that illness is from the immune system. And sometimes that's okay because that's just the immune system working and curing your body of the virus. But sometimes if that immune response is too strong, it can actually be pretty deadly, right? Yeah, like uh, even going further, it like in the last few years, uh, papers have come out to suggest that um, about half of all um, deadly, of like, of like, but half the people dying today are dying because of something that like was initially caused by an immune system overreaction. So basically, what what is like a little bit weird to like uh, think about is that like basically every every time your immune system gets active, it causes damage. Like an an activated immune system is like technically not great, and your body does a lot of stuff to like. Um, calm it down once it's activated. But yeah, like whenever you're, you're, you're sick and your immune system gets active, like damage happens. And that damage is often like the symptoms we associate with being sick. Yeah, like one of the dangerous uh, reactions your immune system can have to a pathogen or, or even something that's not harmful, just an allergen, is a cytokine storm which is, it's, as far as I know, it's, it's kind of chaotic and frightening as it sounds because it's, you know, it's this chain reaction of an immune response that can cause a lot of inflammation and damage to your body where the immune system is just trying to basically do its job and uh, take care of your body and clear out any pathogens that could hurt you. But 
in effect, what it does is it starts a, this chain reaction of inflammation that is damaging your own tissues and making it difficult for your own body to function. Yeah, totally. Like, like a cytokine storm is, is definitely one of the more creepy things that can happen to you. Should we briefly explain what cytokines are? Yeah, let's do that. And how about by let's, how about you do that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, like it's uh, like, okay. Let's let's simplify a lot so like we don't sit here for an hour. But like basically, cytokines are little proteins, little chemicals that like especially immune cells use to communicate with each other. So, for example, like a immune cell that is like agitated and like like aggressive and fighting will release cytokines that tell other immune cells, "Hey guys, get here, get here fast," or it will. Just like generally show like, hey, battlefield this direction. Um, or they will like activate other immune cells. So it's like the all the communication happening within the immune system is like in large parts, cells releasing chemicals, picking up other chemicals or cytokines, and then acting according to the type of cytokines they picked up. So for example, like like a cytokine storm is, is too many of those like messengers released at the same time in a, in, a, in, a, in a too large of a scope and basically activating immune cells where they should not get activated at places where like there is no infection or where they shouldn't activate. And yeah, as, as we discussed before, like the immune system causes damage whenever it's activated. So a cytokine storm is, is a little bit, your whole immune system army and your whole body is like sort of like activated at once. Yeah, everyone's getting scrambled. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, it, it panicked and everybody's like, everybody's getting their weapons out and shooting around, but like maybe there is nobody to shoot at. So, yeah. Bunch of friendly fire. Yeah, that's interesting because the way you describe cytokines actually reminds me of pheromones in bee colonies or ant colonies and these other eusocial insects where when a bee stings you, it actually releases a chemical that signals to other bees that it has stung you. And it calls other bees sort of to come over and also sting the thing that it stung. So that's why sometimes a bee swarm can be very dangerous, especially for more aggressive bee species, because at the more bees that sting you, the more of this pheromone is released that informs other bees, hey, we're attacking this intruder right now. Come over and, you know, get your stings in. And so that can yeah. be very dangerous for you, a human being, when faced with a bunch of bees and that can, I guess, happen in your own body as well with cytokines. So your immune cells are doing a similar thing to bees of like, hey, we're attacking this intruder. Here's this chemical to tell other cells to come to my aid and to attack this intruder. And then if that gets out of hand, if you have too many of those, those cytokines, you just have pandemonium of a bunch of soldiers just shooting at everything in their path, basically inside <laughs> your own body. Yeah, that's a very good description. I think that's basically how, how this works. Like uh, very stupid things reacting to chemicals. Yeah. And, uh, and that's actually, isn't that one of the problems with people who get sick with COVID, right? So virus infections, especially in the early stages, hugely rely on, on the cytokines of these communication methods to activate the immune system and prepare the battlefield uh, for later fighting. So one thing that, that seems to happen um, in COVID, according to some papers I read, is that like COVID suppresses the cytokines that basically would slow down the virus infection and gives the immune system more, more time. But while at the other time, at like at the same time, it sort of boosts the production of cytokines that cause inflammation. And inflammation is basically just like blood vessels that, um, opening up a little bit and letting like fluid into the tissue. So what COVID seems to do is just like, while basically avoiding being slowed down by cytokines, it just like floods the lungs with water. Yeah. And yeah, that's uh, like not great. And it's like one of one example where like a, a pathogen has like hacked the immune system, system a little bit. That is one of the creepy things about the arms race between our immune systems and pathogens is that as pathogens evolve, like we are starting, our, our immune systems will evolve in response to new pathogens like a new virus. But 
in the meantime, seeing it when the pathogen has the upper hand against the immune system, it's it's very frightening. It's it's something that makes you realize, oh yeah, no, we are in a constant arms race with things like viruses and bacteria. And sometimes they actually come out on top, which is is kind of a both humbling and, and frightening kind of thing to witness. And, and one aspect of that is that like not all of our immune systems are created equally. So just like like in a population, a certain amount of people will be extra vulnerable against certain diseases. And um, so, yeah, it's like we as a species need to survive a pathogen. Um, but as an individual, yeah, it's we, difficult, yeah, yeah. we have to hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it is it is something that's very interesting. So it's like our immune system, even though sometimes it overreacts and hurts our body, it is absolutely necessary to prevent us from being completely, basically devoured from the inside out by things like viruses and unfriendly bacteria and other pathogens. If you think about it, like, basically, if you die, you can, like, like, witness what happens to our body once there's no immune system anymore. Yeah. It just like, yeah, it like it's completely dissolved by microorganisms. Um, so yeah, that would be our fate without an immune system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason that bodies decay is that you're no longer alive. And so your immune system is no longer around to kill off the bacteria that want to eat you. In fact, like there, while you're alive, some of the most dangerous diseases are things where say, bacteria is able to survive your immune system. So like necrotizing fasciitis is something where a bacteria is eating away at you while you're alive, while your immune system tries desperately to stop it, but it, it's not fast enough. It, it is kind of terrifying to think, you know, what life would be like without our immune systems and without modern medicine to help when people are immunocompromised. Yeah. And it's like the against the vast, vast majority of, of microorganisms, our immune system is, is perfectly fine. Like most viruses are like have like no capacity to hurt us. Like most bacteria don't have that. But like yeah, it's exactly those like the, those few critters. I think there's like only like two hundred species of viruses that like can infect humans. I need to I like oh god, please don't quote me, but like <laughs> something in this area. Um um yeah, so like only once like a like a microorganism gains the ability to like like keep our immune system in check or like like deactivate part of that, only then it becomes like dangerous to us. Yeah. Most other things are basically like no challenge for our immune system. In the book Immune, you often describe the immune system as beautiful. Uh what what do you mean <laughs> by this? Because if I think about the lymphatic system or, you know, a lymph node or some white blood cells you know, physically speaking, looking at it, it doesn't look that beautiful. <laughs> I mean, come on, like like the, the lymphatic system, super highway stretching <laughs> throughout your whole body. I like I think that's magic. It's like so great. <laughs> I, I mean, like the immune system is like uh, often called like the second most complex biological system after the human brain. Um, and I think that's like and that's like that's like a description I really I really like. It's like just like unfathomably complex. And I think that's like, in that there lies like that immense beauty, I, I feel at least. How are we even alive? How is it possible? <laughs> like like our body, like for, for our cells to defend it, like our body is so enormously large. It's like, like imagine you had to like defend like Central Europe or like, like the US. Oh, wow. That's like the, that's like the scope <laughs> If you were one immune cell, you can just like look at the whole US and say like, okay, I need to defend that. And like, um, I can, I need to be called maybe like to Florida today and to Texas tomorrow. It's like huge distances. And the amount of connectivity and communication and like systems that are like cells and proteins and all that stuff defending you, they're like really like, they're stupid, like lovely, but stupid. Like, like a cell is pretty useless. Just like this mini protein robot that does its thing according to the the chemicals it picks up and it's like code. Um, but somehow, like like trillions of these stupid parts come together to organize this uh, like incredible defense of 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 you of yourself. And I think that's beautiful. I don't know. Yeah, 
on the more macro level, it makes me think about why I find ant colonies or bee colonies mm. so beautiful. Yeah. Because like an ant itself, I mean, I mean this with no disrespect, an individual ant is pretty stupid. <laughs> But then when you get a whole ant colony together, they have such complex and interesting behaviors like raft building, bridge building. Ants are especially a good example. I have that in the book at some point. But like stupid things doing smart things together. Maybe that's why I love my dog so much because she's a <laughs> stupid dog that once in a while does a smart thing. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So we've talked a little bit about human immune systems and why they're so amazing and, and beautiful. And now I want to talk about some weird exceptions to sort of the immune system rules. I mean, every animal will have a slightly different immune system. In fact, every individual has a slightly different immune system. We don't all come out with carbon copies of each other's immune systems. That's why some people will get sick more than others. You know, they're not just they're not just complainers. They people can literally get more sick than you because their immune system doesn't respond in the same way that yours does. And then on the species level, of course, every species of animals has a different immune system. Some are more similar to ours, some are more different. One of the most interesting mammalian immune systems out there is that of bats. So I love bats. That's not a secret. They're adorable, misunderstood little cuties that I want to love and cuddle, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't love and cuddle them, even though they are so cute. But they have really fascinating immune systems. Now, obviously, there are many, many species of bats. They're one of the most diverse groups of mammals with incredibly diverse morphology. But often they will have somewhat similar immune system. So when I talk about bat immune system, I'm, I'm talking about a range of different species that share these characteristics. Bats get kind of a bad rap, I think. Obviously, there's a lot of the myths like they nest in your hair, they suck your blood, which are just not really true. There's only one species of vampire bat out of like the three or four total species that has ever even been documented to drink human blood. And it's never enough to kill anyone. It's like literally less blood than you have to give when you go to the doctor's office. But but one of the things that people are maybe squeamish about bats are that they are seen as being dirty and disease-ridden and that they're always the ones responsible for, say, zoonotic diseases. 
And which is the actual truth behind that is a little more complex than them just being like dirty and full of disease. So because uh, bats are actually really great at combating disease. They have really incredible immune systems that can fight off pathogens that might kill other mammals. So you know how like, you know, everyone's kind of points the fingers at bats for COVID and for other diseases. Like, is that sort of your general sense from from uh, people's perspectives on bats? I mean, yeah, like they they probably did cause COVID. So that's it's, it's a little bit fair. Like the, <laughs> um, what what does make their immune system different? So they it's complicated, right? So like they have <laughs> <laughs> this is what I put you through at the first in the first half. But but now I really want to know, like, like I, I, I actually don't know a lot about bats. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious to, to like to learn how they're different. Yeah. So so yeah, so they the reason that they may be candidates for us finding zoonotic diseases in them, like if they do spread zoonotic diseases, it may not be because they're dirty or like more prone to disease it's actually could be the opposite that they have a much more effective immune system than other mammals so mm. diseases and pathogens actually have to struggle harder to survive inside a bat than they would another mammal because the bat's immune system is so strong but still like, like simi similar enough to like ours that if we like have bad luck they can jump over basically right 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 if these viruses have to mutate a bunch of times to try to even get a foothold in a bat species. These uh, pathogens are just going through many more, they have to mutate much more rapidly than if they were infecting another less uh, robust immune system. And so just the that kind of casino of, of viruses trying to roll the die every time that it mutates to see, you know, whether it can get a foothold on some cell in some organism, they're just like doing this many more times because it's so much harder to survive inside a bat. That, I mean, that is a theory. I don't know. This is these are all kind of theoretical things because the uh, we really need to study bat immune systems much more to really get a good understanding of it. Because the bat immune system is so robust, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're responsible for passing on zoonotic diseases. Uh, or that this is just like one stop of on the road of like these diseases on their path to humans. But one of the theories is that like the bad immune system is like a thunderdome for viruses. Mm. And so viruses have to basically become really tough to survive the bat. That, that's super interesting. If, if that's not too mean of a question, like, do you have maybe an example like 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 which sort of which part of the defense, like antivirus defenses of bats are like so efficient? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the theories for why bats are so tough for a virus to survive is that um, weirdly, so like their immune systems may be less strongly reactive as compared to humans. Oh. So remember when hmm. earlier you were actually talking about how you don't necessarily want an immune system that just nukes everything in its sight. Yeah. Because that kills your body. Um, you want a more gentle immune system so that it can target pathogens and viruses, but not destroy your own body in the meantime. Um, but of course, the downside to that is if you have a more gentle immune system, then it's harder for you to combat viruses. So the virus might be able to replicate more. But one trick that bats have is that in addition to their immune system, their thermal regulation, so their body temperature, may play a key role in immune defense. So researchers have studied the immune response of Pallas's mastiff bats. So they're these adorably, very doofy-looking bats. Uh, they're from Panama. They're insectivores. Very, very cute. Um, when they're infected with a harmless dummy pathogen, their immune system barely reacted. So they didn't have a fever. They didn't have a huge mm. surge in white blood cells, which is really odd because we know bats are pretty good at fighting off pathogens. The researchers did surmise that this bat's 
immune system was engaged because it lost some body mass, which is a sign that their immune system is consuming energy. Um, so one of the theories that researchers have come up with and have been studying is that bats rely on drastic change in body heat that they go through every day uh, in order to curb the replication of viruses. So basically, they are creating a very hostile environment for pathogens by having such severe internal body weather. So like for <laughs> many species of bats, when they are sleeping during the day, they enter a kind of miniature hibernation or torpor. So this is where their metabolism slows down and their body temperature drops. And for a lot of species, it drops down to about 77 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 25 degrees Celsius. Or in some species during the winter, their body temperature can drop to as low as 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius, which for a human, if your body's that cold, you're dead. <laughs> so Super interesting. So when they go out to hunt, its body temperature shoots way up to around 104 degrees Fahrenheit or about 40 degrees Celsius, which would be a high fever in humans. So uh, having a fever is really interesting, right? Because for when we're experiencing a fever, it's really not great. You know, if you have it, also if you have too high of a fever, it can be harmful to your body. It can, um, you know, cause like uh, damage because you're essentially you're getting too hot for your uh, your own safety. But in general, having a low-grade fever or a survivable fever, you are destroying whatever pathogen has infected your body. You're like boiling them alive, right? Yeah. One of the theories is that basically they turn into fridges during the day when they're sleeping because they're nocturnal, which slows down virus viral replication. And then during the night when they're active, they heat up to these little furnaces that may be also... Uh, is unfriendly towards viruses and pathogens. Yeah, it, it seems uh, not great for us humans because, like this way, they can like basically breed viruses that like um, don't suffer from our fever responses since we are not getting as hot. Right, right. This is one of the theories. Is again, like the bat is like this thunderdome, this uh, incredibly hostile environment for viruses and pathogens, such that they need to mutate to be tougher in order to even survive like a day inside of a bat. It seems like we are like, propagating, eradicating all bats. I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, one of the issues, obviously, with eradicating all bats is that they do a lot more for us in protecting us from diseases than they could ever do harming us with diseases because of the fact that bats are insectivores. And so the fact that the bats mm. control populations of things like mosquitoes, flies, other potentially disease-carrying insects, they're much, much better for humanity than they would ever hurt us. They're also uh, pollinators. So they're responsible for huge amounts of crop and plant pollination. So without bats, we'd be completely doomed. We'd be screwed. Uh, also, they're adorable. So how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it it, it, uh, it seems like we will ho uh, hold off on eradicating all bats then. Good, good. Yes. Uh, some of the evidence suggests that the daily torpor, so that mini hibernation they do during the day, may be even more important for them to survive than the that kind of fever that they have when they're active, because that body temperature dropping so much really slows the pathogen's rate of reproduction to uh, crawl. And so that may be why their relatively delicate immune systems are able to be so effective. So they slow down the pathogen with their body temperature and then their immune system with their very surgical precision comes in and takes care of it, which I think is really interesting because in medicine, we sometimes use what's it called, cryotherapy, or when you lower a patient's body temperature down while mm -hmm. they're fighting off infection or illness. So one of the theories is that the viruses get tougher when they're faced with bat immune cells. So it's more difficult for them to combat immune cells, so they have to learn to spread and infect cells more efficiently and quickly. 
but one of the issues is that these studies were done on bat cells outside of the bat's body. So you're, they're missing a key component of how the bat's uh, temperature can affect the immune system. So, which when you're studying cells in a Petri dish, you have to be forgiven for not being able to completely replicate a bat's uh, internal body system. But, um, but yeah, it's, we don't really have a complete picture of how bat immune systems impact zoonotic diseases. And in fact, one of the, there's some controversy about like how responsible bats are for zoonotic diseases. And one of the arguments against them being as bad as they seem is that we will find more antibodies left over in living bats that are captured uh, because they survive these immune system battles more often. So because they Mm. uh, survive battling these diseases more often, we will simply find more of them with these antibodies. Uh, And so this concept that like, oh, a lot of them are disease ridden and are always responsible for spreading things to humans. It could just be sort of a survivor bias, right? Because other animals that are infected with it, they may die more quickly. And then so we don't when we're capturing animals and testing them for these antibody uh, shapes and stuff, we don't find it because (laughs) the ones that were infected did die. Uh, Whereas these bats survive and have these antibodies. I, I wonder if we will like learn how all of that works in the next few years. Like, like COVID certainly has to have like given bad researchers more budget, right? Like, yeah. Um, maybe like one of the positive side effects of like this pandemic will be like increased budgets for stuff like that, so we can find. I mean, these are like super interesting and crucial problems to solve. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. One of the interesting things about the immune system is how it can be, you know, obviously it's it's a huge blessing because it keeps us alive. It keeps us from getting eaten from the inside out. But it can also present us with a obstacle in modern medicine. So we have advanced as a species to the point where we can like shove someone else's organs inside another body, which is crazy. And nobody sent the memo to our immune system to tell us that we're doing this. It's, you know, it's something that our immune system could have never predicted that doctors would someday be like taking someone else's heart and putting it into a different person's body. When you think of it from the immune system's perspective, that's that's not something that it should have seen coming, right? 
yeah, as we said at the very beginning, it's just like, it just sees there's something that's like not me, that's like something other, and I need to kill it. Yeah. And yeah, that's uh, what happens when you try to transplant something. Yeah, for millions of years of our evolutionary history, it's it's, you know, basically been functioning the same way, and it's worked out pretty well. And now we introduce modern medicine, and then we get all mad at the immune system when it starts rejecting organs, which I think is kind of unfair. But nevertheless, it is a big medical challenge because when you, say, do an organ transplant, the immune system doesn't have any way to understand this organ is being transplanted with all its foreign cells to help the body. You, you can't communicate that to the immune system. It's not sentient, even though it is very complex. It can't tell the difference between the foreign tissues of a donated organ and a dangerous pathogen. So it'll often attack something like a donated organ. And this has been like one of the biggest challenges to things like being able to do organ transplants. And even today with organ transplants, patients still have to take immunosuppressing drugs often for their entire life, right? To cope with an organ transplant. One of the reasons why the immune system is like so aggressive or like attacks organs that like uh, would save the life of the body is that they're just like, they're made to to look for cells that are a little bit off. So for example, like if you, are, if you have a virus infection, like many, like the majority of the viruses at any given point will be in infected cells and not float around freely. So basically, if you're infected by a virus, your body wants to like find the infected cells and kill them, which is like like a not a not a small thing to do, right? So like you have cells inside yourself that have like the that have a blank check to kill body cells. That's a very very dangerous power. Like you, you really want to have a few safeguards for that. So, um, and one of those safeguards is basically that the cells have like a little passport, and on that passport it says, "Hey, I'm you. I'm I'm part of this system. I'm I'm this body. Please don't kill myself." <laughs> um, and uh, you have cells in your body that do nothing but like go through your body, go to every cell, and just like check their passports and like, "Hey." everything all right? Like, how's your day? Please show me your papers. And if like the cell is infected by a virus, for example, um, or if it um, is becoming cancerous, like the, okay, all the real mechanisms here are like way too complicated for now, but like, and also super interesting, but let's just like keep it with the passport. So like, like if a cell is sick, the chances that their passport is a little bit corrupted is very high. So those cells that patrol your body all the time, if they find a cell where they're like not happy with like what the passport says, it they just kill them immediately. This is a right very away. authoritarian society in our immune system. The immune system is a police state, and it like <laughs> does not care. Like it doesn't like. Uh, um, and actually, it's like even more gruesome if you want to, because like they won't kill the cell; they will k tell the cell to kill itself. Yeah, because that's also like another interesting thing in theory. So it is important how a cell dies because if a cell is infected by viruses and like a, like the guardian cell will just like rip it open and kill it, then all the viruses inside the infected cell will spread further, right? Right. So that's bad. You don't want that. No. But instead you tell the cell to kill itself and it like when cells kill it themselves, which like basically I think like every second a million of your cells commit suicide, something <laughs> no. like that, like huge numbers, like... Like your cells kill themselves all the time, and it's super important that they do. But when they kill themselves, they basically very politely bag their remains into little bags that <laughs> then can later be picked up by, all, funnily enough, also the immune system, macrophages. Yeah. Just like clean up dead cells. That's a that's so, yeah, apoptosis, so, right? Yeah, exactly. The, and, or, um, or blebbing, where they just kind of like disintegrate into little bubbles. And then the macrophages come in and then eat all the little bubbles. Yeah, it, it looks super funny, too, if you find a video on the Internet about that. Just, yeah, like one cell become, yeah, turning it, into little packages that it can be cleaned up. It'd be like in a zombie apocalypse if, like, when there's someone infected with the zombie virus and you have someone roaming around testing everyone for the zombie virus, it's like, oh, you've got the zombie virus. And they're like, oh, okay. And then, like... 
chop themselves up into little pieces and pack themselves yeah. <laughs> up into little bags for easy disposal. Yeah, it's like like sadly humans are not that cooperative. Yeah, but like like uh, like like cells just like uh, they can be ordered to kill themselves, and and it's it's great that it, like that it works like that. <laughs> um, We're talking um, about immune cells, not <laughs> don't don't yeah, uh, anthropomorphize them too much. <laughs> I, I I get so excited. Okay, but okay, now now I have to, like now we've talked like, super super briefly about the natural killer cell, which is yes. like one of the best immune cells just because just because of its name and what it does. Like the natural killer cell is one of those cells that do nothing but patrol your body and just like ask people um like what what's up. Um and it's it has like an ingenious strategy. It's just amazing. So as you can imagine, um cancer cells and infected like cells infected by viruses, they figured that out the whole thing with the passport, right? They think, oh if we alter the passport, then the immune system, and again, like nobody's thinking anything. It's just right. like, this it's just, evolution, but like, yeah, adaptation. Yes, this is fluff talk just to, <laughs> to make it like nobody is thinking anything here. But like, let's say, <laughs> including me, like but... the viruses, yeah, <laughs> viruses and cancer cells think, okay, wait, like if you corrupt the passport, then we will, we will, we will be killed. That's not great. And um, so maybe instead we just don't show our passport. We just make sure that like, like all the cells patrolling don't see the passport and then they will ignore us because they can't find the flaws. And it, it is a very effective strategy. Like 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 some types of those patrolling cells need to see a passport to like kill, tell a uh, cell to kill itself. Right. Otherwise, they now would the just natural, kill all our cells, which would be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. Like it's, like it's not great. So, for example, like red blood cells don't have uh, don't have passports and there's a lot of them. So. It's uh, it, it's good in in theory. Okay, but the, here's the other cell comes in the natural killer cell. What the natural killer cell does, it just goes around and checks if cells have a passport. Nothing else. It just checks does the cell have a passport, and if the answer is no, it kills the mm. cell. So basically, you have like a like the natural killer cell is basically a counter strategy to a counter strategy to the immune system. Like there are cells that are controlling passports, there are enemies that are hiding passports, there are cells that are just looking for cells that are hiding their passports. Wow. This is like a Blade Runner situation. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, and going back to organ donations. So what, what the problem is and what the immune system could not have predicted millions of years ago when it evolved is that like intelligent apes at some point would like put organs from one living being to, to other living beings. So what happens now, if you get a transplanted an organ, your immune cells will just check passports and they will see, oh, this passport is a little bit off. Maybe not even that much off, but it is a little bit off. Better kill that cell right. or like tell it to kill itself. And then like another thing that we talked about earlier, like when the immune system gets activated, it usually activates more immune system and gets more immune cells to that place. And they will find so many cells that have like passports that are a little bit off. Um, and so basically your immune system will eat and kill the organ that is otherwise saving your life. Yeah. And that's also why it is like way like way better to have like an organ donor that's like closely related to you because your passports will match or be like not that different. I think like with like a one-eyed one egg twins if that's the correct way to say that in mm -hmm. english yeah um i think with that like you have like uh, the, the absolute lowest amount of um, reject organ rejection i think okay wait we're not please cut that out of the <laughs> that I, sounds I have right no to idea me. that sounds right to me it, it sounds right but that's, well, that's dangerous right if they're um identical twins it, even fraternal twins share a lot of genes like siblings but uh, identical twins share the most genes of any two simultaneous living humans. So I would imagine that their immune systems are probably very similar. I, I think it is that way, but like, yeah, it's like one of these things where like, it feels logical, but like, should you say the thing that like seems to follow from that? Like, well, we, we, we should look that up. Let's put it this way. Don't practice home surgery on yourselves, uh, yeah. twins out there. Uh, don't take our words for it. <laughs> yeah, but please, please don't. But yeah, that's like the, the, the amazing magic of uh, 
the immune system once again, checking passports and ruining your life. Um, <laughs> it's like without like wanting to do that. Right. But yeah, the immune system is like a, it's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous entity. I guess it's good to for your immune system be to be so authoritarian when it comes to viruses, but when it comes to friendly cells coming in that are supposed to help you, an authoritarian immune state can actually be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, like, like to totally, especially if you have like autoimmune diseases, which is basically um, where your body decided that like a type of cell that is part of you is actually an enemy, right? And just like begins to kill it. Yeah. And like whenever, and again, like since since the activation cycle works like um, like once you activate the immune system, it like an immune cell, it calls other immune cells. Uh, like it, it, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You're all like like the immune system. It's like you know you know the joke about like the the okay is it is okay is this called ghost driver in English? If you like go the, go go down the highway on the opposite direction, a ghost drive. What is it, is it called in English when you go the uh, a highway the opposite way? Yeah, you're just driving on the wrong side of the road. Ah, okay. So like we have a word word for that in German, which I tried to translate, which didn't work. <laughs> We don't okay, have I, as I we don't over. have as many specific words in English for things. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So it's like the, those immune cells that got activated uh, against your own body. They are basically it's like cells going down the wrong side of the highway. Yeah, and they're just like wondering why. Like there are thousands of people going <laughs> the wrong way on the highway. What's wrong? This is like like your immune like your autoimmune cells. It's like like there's enemies everywhere. Yeah. Like, like this is horrible, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we need to, like, there's a serious infection going on. Like, what's happening here? And then that's how you get, like, inflammatory bowel disease and other autoimmune disorders. And, yeah. And it's horrible. <laughs> Very desperate and, like, confused and sad immune cells that yeah. just, like, think they're, like, like in World War II oh, all boy. the time. Oh, boy. Bunch of, a bunch of doomsday prepper cells that have gone way too extreme in your own body. Yeah. That's not a good thing. But, yeah, in some cases... Cases, the immune system has to be completely revamped in order to work with certain evolutionary traits. So when we're talking about like a fetus or a donated organ, you have this problem of, of you have to solve to stop the immune system from attacking that thing. But what if instead of having a donated organ, you have a donated boyfriend that is attached to your body? So this is what happens with anglerfish. So anglerfish, we kind of, the most famous species of anglerfish, you probably have a pretty good idea of what it looks like. They're those really spooky looking deep sea fish with the big pointy teeth, a bioluminescent lure, and overall very bony, angular, haunted looking bodies. There are many species of anglerfish, but the ones that you're probably thinking of are in the Ceratidae family. So they're the creepy, glowing, pointy-toothed, uh, they're actually also called uh, sea devils because they look horrible, like some kind of ghoul that lives at the bottom of the ocean. They have this fun little quirk where in order to mate, the male who is this tiny tadpole-like fish compared to the much larger female actually attaches himself to the female's body. So he'll bite down on the underside of her belly and his mouth actually uses an enzyme to melt their flesh together. So his mouth will melt and that point on the female's belly will melt, broken down by this enzyme, and then they're just fused together. And it's it, he's like grafted himself onto the female's body, which is, you know, that's a lot of commitment. I got to admire, got to <laughs> admire that level of commitment in a relationship. So once the male is attached to the female, he will depend on her for nutrients, for breathing, for the circulatory system, locomotion, everything, he basically becomes like an appendage. And and he's an appendage that will provide her with sperm for reproduction. And this may seem like the perfect romantic story, you know, just a very cozy situation, but there's a big problem, which is the immune response, because 
you know, if you try to graft yourself to another person, it's not going to go well. I mean, first of all, I don't think uh, most people would be cool with that. But also your immune system would not be cool with that. And your immune system would attack this foreign object attached to you. So anglerfish just have decided that they love this uh, kind of situation so much where the male attaches it to the female, they've completely ditched a whole part of their immune system in order to make this very close relationship work. Basically, is it they, they, don't they, did they skip T-cells and like the adaptive immune system? Yes. So they, they completely scrapped the adaptive immune system. Huh. There are actually two main categories of immune system, right? There's the adaptive immune system and the innate immune system, right? Yeah, the, the first line defense and like the super weapons, if, if you want, like, need, what a nice picture. So like the innate immune system is less like a supercomputer and more like sort of a physical fortress. So part of your innate immune system is stuff like your skin, right? Like it, it protects your, your body from invasion or mucosal linings. Um, macrophages are also part of the innate immune system, right? Yeah, like, like all the soldier cell, basically. The soldier cells that like when they see an enemy can uh, engage immediately and bash in heads. Yeah, like yeah. Like heavy, the heavy fighting. Right, exactly. So it's kind of the less technologically advanced part of the immune system. But the adaptive immune system is that really pretty complex, like a bunch of little computer programs running around. So uh, antibodies and T cells being called into action that are adapting themselves to unique pathogens or viruses or strange new threats, right? May, may may I offer a picture? Yes. Um. Maybe like so. Like so. As far as I've understood it, like the the so like the innate immune system. It's just like like already when you're born, it's it's there. It's ready. It, it's ready to go. It, it's happy to fight for you. And the adaptive immune system is like when you're born. It's like it's like a computer. It's like hardware, but it doesn't have software yet. So it's like that's also like one of the reasons why kids get sick so much. They don't like the immunity has not booted up basically and and what like this hardware without software does it then collects data and gets better and better at defending you and it basically is like the i guess in a sense you could say it's like the stronger part of the two immune systems when it's really properly activated so like i'm i'm really really curious to learn how it like made sense for the anglerfish to uh, to drop any like all of that right right exactly it's it's really strange because in order for this mating system to work for the male to be able to attach to the female and not be killed by her immune system basically that aspect of their immune system doesn't function so they don't really use you know antibodies and t-cells they ha still have the innate immune system so uh, some of the more rudimentary kinds of immune responses that they do to, you know, basic, basic pathogens. But uh, when that male will attach to the female, there is no, they, you know, these cells in that area won't call for an immune response to come over and attack the male. And so the big question is, okay, great, but how do they survive? I, I hate to you know, leave everyone on a cliffhanger. Researchers are still looking into it. There's no definitive answer of like, you know, why the system works for these weird little fish. Uh, it's possible that they have a stronger innate system to make up for the lack of the adaptive system. So uh, this is really weird. Um, and you'd, you'd probably know more about how weird this is because it doesn't seem like these immune systems should be able to be decoupled, like they kind of work together. Technically, the adaptive immune system really, uh, technically, like the adaptive immune system really super depends on the innate immune system to activate it. So the, ad the adaptive immune system basically is on standby always until your um, innate immune system decides basically, oh, like a is like something dangerous is going on that's like like too much for 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 me to handle i'll activate uh, my adaptive immune system body so technically you don't need too many switches 
I mean, I, 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 like, I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not pretending I know anything about anglerfish, but at least like uh, in, in humans, if you switch off like one or two cells from the adaptive immune system, uh, pardon, from the, your innate immune system, your adaptive, adaptive immune system should not activate anymore. But that's just like sounds like such a horrible idea. <laughs> it's really interesting that like having a little alive sperm bag yeah. on your back is basically should be worth um, sh uh, shutting off like at least half of your immune system and like your defense against like any sort of like really serious infection. Unlike you, I'm going to pretend I know a lot about anglerfish. Um, <laughs> I w wonder if it's because they're deep sea living fish, so they don't have to fight off as many pathogens as they would have to in a more nutrient rich environment. So, you know, in mm, that the, makes sense. the deep sea, it does, it can host a lot of things. I mean, obviously bacteria flourishes near deep sea vents these these hot vents that have they're like these little pockets in the deep sea that do have a lot of nutrients but uh in, in certain parts of the deep sea it's kind of like a nutrient desert so you have to have all these clever adaptations to even get a meal so anglerfish have that wonderful bioluminescent bulb that will draw prey to them because it's so hard to go and hunt prey uh, when you have these this very like Spartan area of the ocean. So I'm wondering if the only reason that they can just survive on the innate immune system is that there aren't as many pathogens, as many viruses that are able to spread from uh, from animal to animal or you know around in this uh, very desolate environment of the deep ocean. So, so basically, um, to never get sick, don't have contact with other living beings, and then you're fine. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've learned, right, over the past two years. Yeah. <laughs> so every week, we do a mystery animal sound game where I play an animal sound, and you all out there try to guess what the heck is talking. Uh, Philip, you want to play along this week? That sounds amazing. <laughs> so first, we've got to reveal the mystery animal sound from last week. So the hint from last week was not so fast. This isn't who you think it is. And here is the sound. So who do you think that is, Philip? Oh my god, like some kind of bird? <laughs> but like, yeah, no no idea beyond that. Because it sounds like a baby chick, right? It sounds like a little, little baby chicken or a baby bird. But it is, in fact, a cheetah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, uh, uh, like, uh, interesting. Why, like, what's wrong with it? What, what is <laughs> <laughs> it's got a, it swallowed a bird and it's trying to escape out of the cheetah. No, so cheetahs are really interesting because of the big cats, they have very cute little vocalizations. So cheetahs don't roar, and they're actually one of the few big cats that purr because the that um, the same sort of vocal cord system that allows lions to roar actually would prevent them from uh, purring. So cheetahs don't roar but they purr and they make all sorts of adorable vocalizations like chirps which can be used by a mother to kind of locate its young or let its young know where it is or by by siblings to kind of give each other heads up of where they are and uh yeah they are <laughs> they make adorable little baby bird noises even though they are one of the fastest predators in the world so definitely shocking to hear that coming out of a big cat like a cheetah congratulations to this week's winners of the animal sound game who wrote me in the fastest get it fast because you know cheetahs uh abigail m ariel and keegan y'all guess correctly uh, I got a lot of correct guesses, though. Good job, everyone. You guys are so smart. So now on to this week's mystery animal sound. 
So the hint for this week's sound is this may sound like a herd of goats, but if you try to milk these guys, you're going to have a bad time. Is that some kind of insect? Well, I can't tell you, because I will reveal the answer <laughs> to this week's Guess Who's Talking Game next Wednesday. So, Philip, thank you so much for joining me today and taking us on a tour of the wonderful, wacky world of immune systems. So tell people about where they can find your book, Immune, and where they can find some of your other work. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you can get my book, uh, which is called Immune, um, Journey into this Mysterious System that Keeps You Alive. I guess everywhere where you can get books. Um, and I personally don't have social media, so you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> um, but you can see my work uh, on our YouTube channel, Kurzgesagt in a Nutshell, which is on YouTube. I highly recommend it if you want to learn about things in a really fun and the anime I'm a little bit of an animation nerd and it's absolutely gorgeous animation and really clear really nice explanations for things it's also weirdly relaxing to learn so I really love that channel um, yeah so check that out check out that book immune if you want to learn more about that and uh, yeah thanks so much for listening uh, if you think you have an answer to this week's mystery animal sound game or you want to write in questions concerns uh, pictures of your immune system. Wait, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, write me <laughs> at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com, creaturefeaturepod at Instagram, creaturefeetpod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. And if you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating or review, that is really wonderful. I appreciate all the reviews. I read them all. I take note of what you guys are saying to help improve the show. And of course, it also helps with the algorithms. We must all obey the algorithms. All hail the algorithms. And thanks so much to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.